Welcome to the show, everyone. You are watching NBTV, and this is our weekly Crypto Beat live show, bringing you all of the latest and greatest in crypto and privacy news. And we have a lot to cover in this show. I'm going to go ahead and introduce our A Block guest for this show, Will Foxler. You probably know him from the hash. You probably know him from all of his mining exploits. But we're going to be diving into some news right off the top. There, the first thing that we're going to be talking about is Twitter's new NFT profile pics, and we've got Russia's banning crypto we've got the uk's war on privacy we're going into cbdc's and have another special guest there and then we're diving into gamestop we have a popular youtuber matt cause joining us there will right off the bat welcome to the show thanks naomi great to be here yeah i just chatted to you this morning we do a live show together every day so this is we nothing do. out of your way <laughs> yeah, if you guys don't watch the hash you absolutely should it's awesome uh but let's dive into this so we chatted this morning about how twitter has just rolled out nft profile pics the thing that no one really wanted so can you dive into oh, details of this how does well i mean do they really want it do you, you want just, this you just hand wave a large community of crypto enthusiasts into the trash can with that comment <laughs> <laughs> That's what I do best. We'll dive into. Give us the details. What are they? What have they actually enabled? What's going on here? That's right. So basically, what Twitter did, and mind you, the context for this is Jack Dorsey leaving Twitter a few weeks ago. But Twitter has added the ability for a profile picture style NFT to be implemented as your profile picture on Twitter. On the back end, what that looks like is Twitter scrapes the API from OpenSea, which is the largest. Uh, Ethereum NFT company out there it might go even IPO later this year. You add that into your uh, your Twitter account for using Twitter Blue. Boom, you get a little hexagon, and now you're different than everybody else. It's kind of like having a blue check mark on Twitter, except it's an it's NFT. It's the new blue Naomi, check mark. It's it like it it's like is. too many people have blue check marks. Even MBTV has a blue check mark now. So now they have to create the new blue check mark, which is the mm. hexagonal profile pic. I have a question about this, Will, because I presume that we're not giving away permissions. Like we're linking our Ethereum wallet and we're not giving away permissions because that would be crazy if we were suddenly they had access to our NFTs. Confirm to me that that's not the case. Well, I'll confirm two things to you. One, that privacy on Bitcoin is bad. And two, that privacy on Ethereum is even worse. Uh, <laughs> I don't have a lot of confidence in anything that happens with privacy in Ethereum, especially with OpenSea API. Uh, I've seen some reporting and some Twitter threads out there about this conversation. I won't dive into it too much because I don't want to slander a topic I don't know enough about. But that being said, a lot of these things are still in development. They're still in prod. It's just that so much money was thrown at them so quickly that they just had to go into production and they had to be put forward into things like Twitter. Like everybody wants it. So you're not going to get the best security at this point. Yeah, well, I um, so much for my hand waving an entire community. I actually asked the community, are you interested in this? I asked my Twitter followers, so I got a bunch of responses. First person said, nah, I don't feel comfortable linking my wallet to a centralized app. Totally get that. Why would you want this money and these digital assets that are outside the control of government if you're just going to be like, hey, everyone, this is where all my assets are? Uh, seems problematic. The next person says, oh, great. Now I have to see everyone's terrible ETH apes as profile pictures. No wonder they crashed the market. NFTs should be connected to IPFS. Absolutely agree with that. We shouldn't have any of this centralized OpenSea nonsense. Uh, otherwise, I could take anybody's picture. I mean, that's a whole nother topic we probably don't have time to dive into. But just like centralized versus decentralized NFTs, very 
interesting stuff there. I, I think I had one person who said that they agreed with it. So Miss Metaverse said, why not? I love it. Uh, so that was uh, that was interesting. I brought theirs up because they actually gave us an award last week. Miss Metaverse said, you know, well done, MBTV, for uh, unrelenting effort in warning society about how new technologies are taking away our freedoms. And they made a Naomi Babushka doll. So I thought that was cool. Anyway, just thought that I would mention that. Let's go to our next topic. So we're talking about Russia. They're calling for a full-on ban with crypto. This isn't new. We've had bans in Russia before, but this one seems to be a lot more comprehensive, uh, a lot stronger in terms of how they are actually implementing it. Will, what are the details of all of this uh, and how's this going to affect the markets? So my understanding of this Russia ban is exactly what you just said. There has been tons of these bans in the past, just like how big, uh, China kept saying, oh, we're going to ban Bitcoin. Oh, we're going to ban Bitcoin mining. Oh, we're going to ban Bitcoin trading. Same thing happened with Russia over the last few years. And this is no different. This headline was basically a restatement of a prior communication within the Russian Central Bank that was just said again at a conference. And then a headline was picked up, got propagated, spread out. Russia, to my knowledge, and to most of the people working in the cryptocurrency industry in that region, they're not planning on banning it anytime soon. What this really comes down to, Naomi, is how Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies in general are viewed within the monetary lens of central banks. More and more we're seeing this conversation about how Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies not only are a competitor to the dollar or the ruble or whatever currency your central bank is issuing, uh, but it does cause like some sort of financial problems for the central bank in order to plan their economy, right? A lot of these central banks are planning the economy and uh, we're seeing some issues that they're taking with how these cryptocurrencies can kind of interact with those, uh, those centralized currencies. Yeah, it's interesting because whenever I hear news articles about countries calling for bans, it's always certain types of countries, right? So we've got Venezuela and Russia and China and Iran and India, like they've all been in the headlines for saying, well, we're going to ban it. Um, but then there's as we talk about like, is the US going to ban it? And I'm like, guys, do you really want to be lumped in with all those other countries? Is that really where we're headed? Like, what do you think? SEC does are? that to us now, right? Yeah, it's true. SEC but what, does like, it. <laughs> yeah, what do you think of the chances are of like the US coming down harder and potentially doing something like this too? Well, I'll let your next guest kind of talk, talk on that more because I think he has a better mm. opinion than I do. I will say though that based on what the SEC does around securities exchanges and, and how uh, you can kind of issue new tokens, we're already on the list with Venezuela. We're already on the list with North Korea. We're already on the list with Russia and these other countries where you can't issue tokens because there's securities regulations around it. In terms of kind of banning Bitcoin or banning crypto in general, I don't ha see that happening in the United States, mostly because the United States is a conglomerate of states and there's uh, differences between the federal level, the state level, the local level. And I think that's really going to get in the way going forward. Look at Texas, I'm there right now. Bitcoin mining is huge here. It's not as big in other parts of the country and they'll probably restrict Bitcoin mining. Texas is saying, hey, come mine Bitcoin here. It's free, open, cheap electricity. Yeah, for sure. Let's move on to our final topic for this block. We're talking about what's going on in the UK. So they unveiled this giant publicity campaign where they're trying to sway 
public opinion against end-to-end encryption. Of course, they're using children as the reason for wanting to ban private communications because we will save the children. We all know that they like to pull on the heartstrings of people in order to get their terrible authoritarian plans through. The UK is no different. So there are some shockingly manipulative tactics that they've dived into. Can you give me some details about all of this and what does the future look like for the UK? The future of the UK is a pretty large question, but I'll tackle the first part, which really the interesting thing here was that the UK is using public funds to hire a private publisher to create a scare tactic campaign against their own population that is not in their interest, right? So private messaging is just that. You should be able to have conversations with your friends, your family members, even business partners without fear of repercussions from a government of any type. And what the government is doing here is saying, no, we don't want that. We want to be able to read into your information. Everything should be stored in plain text. Whatever application you're using, we should be able to read it. And now they're using a private company. They're using money from public coffers, tax dollars to pay for this. They're trying to scare the population into voting into something that's not in their favor. It's Mm -hmm. pretty frightening to see. And just to go on to your second part of the question, right? What does the future of the UK look like? This doesn't bode well for it, right? Once you start losing control of the money and start losing control of the communication, and then pretty quickly things start slipping down the slope. So I am not bullish on the UK in general, especially after some of the things I've seen with lockdowns in the UK over the last two years with COVID. Not super bullish on this topic at all, Naomi. Absolutely. So this was actually leaked by Rolling Stone. They put out an article where they kind of dive into the details. It's kind of interesting seeing Rolling Stone being the one getting the scoops these days. They've gotten like the FBI FBI leaked document about private messages. They've got this one. That's cool. I like this way that they're moving. But they kind of dive into some of these insidious like propaganda techniques that governments use. So the first part of the campaign, which is set to launch in a few days, apparently the push will be to make it appear as if it's a grassroots campaign. They're getting a bunch of charities, like children's charities. They're downplaying the role of government. They're really trying to make this seem like, oh, we're just a group of concerned citizens. We're coming together to fight this and you should fight it too. And they've noted that hardly anyone knows what end-to-end encryption even is. So they said that the audience will be primed to be easily swayed, which is terrifying, but it should give us a glimpse into how the government actually runs propaganda campaigns. Anytime you see any of these like grassroots movements uh you just take it with a grain of salt just dig a little deeper it may be on someone's agenda but any final thoughts on this topic will before we close up final thought is this is pretty frightening and i really hope it doesn't come stateside because this is not it's not good for anybody it's certainly not good for anyone in congress i mean look at look at how many times we've seen scandals from uh, email texts going back and forth i'm sure that if this went open and public they would not be happy either so that's my closing thought kind of kind of scared this whole topic I completely agree. But Will Foxley, thank you so much for joining us. Don't forget to follow Will on social media and he will be back on the show another time. But thank you for tuning in. Let's go to our next block. And I want to introduce our guest, George Selgin. So we're talking about how governments in the world, uh, they've been exploring the idea of CBDCs recently. They've been talking about digital monies that they'll be able to control, program, collect all the financial data of. And so that's why I invited the amazing monetary historian and economist, economics professor, Professor George Selgin to the show. He's been talking about this a whole bunch, but welcome to the show, George. To be oh, here. You are muted. Oh, there we go. Uh, You're all good. Welcome to okay. the show. 
Thanks, Naomi. It's nice to be here. So before we dive into like all of these news about surveillance tools, let's actually look at what the government itself has to say. So we actually just had the Fed issue a CBDC outline talking about, well, if we were to release something, which we're maybe not, but this is what it would look like. So tell me some of the main points from that document. So what the Fed has in mind, and again, this isn't a plan. It explicitly says it has no plan, but this is what it would do if it were to issue some kind of digital currency. And what it has in mind is that it would uh, provide basically a digital currency or accounts that would be handled by private banks. They would administer the accounts for their customers. And, uh, and uh, that, in that way, they would be doing all the upfront uh, services. But the digital currency itself, as they call it, they use the term more loosely than you folks do, would, uh, would be liabilities directly on the Federal Reserve. They'd be Federal Reserve money. So this would be a case of the Fed providing a new form of its own fiat money directly in electronic form uh, That's as opposed to the paper stuff. That's the only stuff it provides to all of us all the time. Yeah, and so let's dig into those details because the idea of them administering accounts directly can get a little bit scary. We actually chatted to Congressman Emma. We got some quotes from him, uh, and he said that he doesn't think this is a good idea at all. Let's go to one of we his sound bites. should never be uh, uh, trying to emulate the Communist Party of China. Uh, they, in my opinion, are practicing uh, uh, digital authoritarianism. The Federal Reserve in this country cannot and should not ever mobilize itself into a retail bank account that's able to collect personal identity information on all users and track their transactions uh, indefinitely. So there you have it. Congressman Emma, that's what he had to say. George, what are your thoughts on this? Do you agree with him that the Fed just should not be in the business of issuing a CBDC directly to consumers? I do, actually. I, there's no reason for it, first of all, apart from the the risks that uh, the senator mentions. Everything that can be done, uh, everything that could possibly be accomplished by the Fed's plan could be accomplished by uh, simply granting access to uh, private digital currency providers to the Federal Reserve's accounts. But remember, right now, only banks can have accounts at the Fed. And most of them aren't interested in providing digital currency or services to digital currency users. So uh, if, if uh, digital currency suppliers could have accounts at the Fed, they could keep their digital currencies, their own digital currencies, 100% backed by Federal Reserve uh, assets. They'd be just as safe. But the actual digital currency would be privately supplied. It would be a kind of digital uh, sta uh, of stable dollar currencies. And uh, there could be other kinds as well that aren't crypto-based. But all the good stuff that the Fed's plans could possibly accomplish could be accomplished more safely and efficiently and with more dynamic innovation uh, without the Fed directly providing digital currency to ordinary people. Yeah. Let's go to another stop from Congressman Emma. He says that, uh, I mean, he's talking, diving into the idea of cash, which we've talked about. So let's go to that. We are not opposed to any CBDC, but if there was one, it has to have the qualities of cash. It has to be open, permissionless and private. 
It's very rare that I see a congressman talk about how we want things to be private. We want things, we want the qualities of cash. I'm so used to them coming down hard on it, being like, how do we monitor cash more? I mean, talk to me about the importance of cash in our society, why this is something that we would lose and why that would be dangerous for us with this uh, purely digital monetized form. Well, the paper cash has unique qualities. It's not very <laughs> impressive technologically, certainly not anymore and for some time, but it does uh, give people privacy that they can't have with any other medium, with uh, pretty much any other electronic medium. Your audience knows that uh, cryptocurrencies are pseudonymous, but not necessarily anonymous. There is There are ways to track transaction, transactions. There's a, there's a trail of information out there. Paper currency uh, doesn't uh, offer any of the same uh, potential for invasion of privacy. So it's unique. And of course, it's perfectly safe. And that is, as far as the fiat standard is concerned, it's safe. And so uh, it's very important. Now, I should say that the Fed explicitly says in this report they've issued that they do not have any plans, or I should say their proposal wouldn't call for uh, getting rid of paper Federal Reserve notes. So at least so far as what they say yet. there, they're thinking of, yes, yet, it's, it's always <laughs> a yet. They're thinking of digital central bank currency as a supplement to the paper stuff they already issue. But as you said, as you, as you suggested, uh, <laughs> once they have the digital stuff, I think the risk of them ceasing to produce the paper alternative uh, increases substantially. Suddenly we'll see this big grassroots ad campaign about why we need to be saving more trees and can't be printing money anymore. Let's just wait for it, people. But let's go to this final and salt from- And a lot of hoarding of this stuff that's already out there, I suspect. Right, right, exactly. Let's go to our final salt from uh, Congressman Emma. The biggest fear that our government has, Naomi, is being uh, cut out of the process. Uh, it, these have always been intermediated exchanges and the beauty of uh, where we're headed with cryptocurrencies, with uh, blockchain technology, is it eliminates the middleman. I think crypto is just going to continue to grow uh, in spite of what uh, people in the government might want to do uh, to slow that down or to try and control it. Now, Congressman Emma seems to be quite optimistic here. He thinks that crypto is a sure thing regardless of what the government's going to do. Um, but... I, I don't know. I would love your take on that because he's right. The government doesn't like to be disintermediated. The government doesn't like to be cut out of the process. And they are getting scared right now that that is what is happening. So what's your thought on the future of crypto and government regulation? Well, my thought is that uh, the dollar can survive the Fed not issuing its own digital currency. I don't think there's any question about that. And uh, if the uh, and I honestly believe that if the Federal Reserve is really worried about uh, staying in business, uh, and that digital currency could matter somehow, it can easily make sure that uh, it does so by by pursuing an alternative plan where it encourages private issuers of digital currency, but also makes it a condition for those that want to have direct access to its services to have accounts with it. It can say, look, if you're going to do that, that's fine, but you have to hold substantial reserves, maybe even 100% reserves 
uh, to back those currencies that you issue using our facilities. Well, then it'll have plenty of demand, but it'll be demand for old-fashioned wholesale Federal Reserve account balances uh, and wouldn't be allowing everybody to have a, an account at the Fed that would be a substitute for dealing with the private sector payment providers. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I actually, we, we pulled a couple of comments from the YouTube uh, section. People were talking about what's going on here. I wanted to go to one comment by Steve Gould. Uh, he says, imagine the dollar with an observable ledger. Uh, so uh, that's... Uh, <laughs> Oh, we've brought up the wrong one. We'll, we'll talk about this one at the end of the show. But I just wanted to, to comment on this comment from Steve, uh, how he said, you know, this observable ledger, yes, it's definitely um, a problem. But I think that if you're comparing that to Bitcoin and making an allusion to that, say like Bitcoin has an observable ledger, the big difference here is that FedCoin is going to be KYC'd and Bitcoin, as George already said, is a pseudonymous coin. It's not anonymous, but it is at least is pseudonymous. So there's just a world of difference in terms of surveillance. Oh, yeah. But yeah, any final thoughts there, George, uh, before we let you go? No, I just like to say that absolutely you can't compare on the if you were to arrange the different types of currencies, digital currencies that one can conceive of, including all of those that exist now and central bank alternatives. There's no question that, that as far as privacy is concerned or risks to privacy are concerned, uh, central bank digital currency is the is is the worst of all the possible outcomes. It poses by far the greatest threats to innocent uh, people who want to transact privately without the central banks or governments knowing everything they are up to. And, uh, and I'm afraid that, uh, uh, that if we do have central bank digital currency, that cap capability is something we all have to fear is going to be abused. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, thank you so much for chatting with us, George. It's so wonderful to have you on. You're my, my favorite monetary historian. And I always uh, tell people to read your books just to actually get some perspective about what's happening uh, with money around the world so they can learn a little bit more about history. And uh, I loved your comments recently on Twitter about Bitcoin, tulip bubbles, people dismissing a trend that's been around for 10 years. I thought that was, that was pretty great. Maybe we'll dive into that in a future show. Thank you, Naomi. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. All right. So uh, we're going to keep going on to our next block now. I have the great pleasure of welcoming for the first time onto the show, Matt Cause. He is a very well-known YouTuber. He covers a whole bunch of stuff in the space. Something that he's been covering a lot is GameStop. So we're going to be diving into that today. But welcome to the show, Matt. Very happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So recently, GameStop announced that they're launching a division to develop a marketplace for NFTs and establish cryptocurrency partnerships. So apparently this includes building an online hub for buying, selling, trading NFTs, uh, of virtual video game goods such as avatar outfits, weapons, all these kinds of things. So Matt, I'm going to throw this to you. Walk me through GameStop's plan because I've seen a lot of companies kind of affix the word blockchain to the end of their company to try and give it a bit of a renaissance, to bring it back from the dead. And GameStop hasn't been doing too well. They had this big resurgence through like meme stocks. Everyone's, everyone's like, support GameStop, the underdog. But is this kind of like the last vestiges of a dying company or is GameStop actually onto an interesting trend here? I would vehemently argue that it's actually the latter in those two options. I just am very, very bullish on the 
community that supports GameStop, but also just this play of where I believe the world of gaming, NFTs, and the metaverse are going to all up end up intertwining. And I think with it, and of course, this is a slow growing process, there's going to be a lot of engineering that has to be pulled off. But in all reality, I am just super, super confident in this pivot into basically the assumption whether we're going to go on that article or there's a lot of other things going on. But basically, we know that they're going to build out an NFT marketplace. So with already the very, I guess, indentured community support and also just where I see this trending, um, I don't think this is going to be a, a quick term thing. But in the long term, I think this is really going to help with a new trajectory of the business improving both its top and its bottom line. It is definitely interesting to see all these companies kind of suddenly jumping on board. I don't know whether you want to call it metaverse or whether you want to call it web 3.0 or whether you want to call it decentralization, or whether you want to call it blockchain technology. These all seem to be very like fluid terms that allude to the same thing, that we're moving, we're shifting paradigms. And there are some companies that are jumping on board, some that are being left behind. So it's interesting what you say about GameStop. It's cool. If, they, if this does help them kind of move forward, I think that'll be very interesting uh, to see. It's nice to see companies with the ability to pivot there. Um, now, there have been rumors that through all this NFT stuff, they might be partnering with Loopring. And a lot of people are really excited about this. Uh, it hasn't been disclosed by them. We've got like nothing's been confirmed. This is all speculation. Mm -hmm. uh, but the, the crowds are going wild. Yeah, Reddit threads about it, Twitter threads. First of all, can you walk me through like what is Loopring for people who are unacquainted? Okay, so from the highest level, Loopring is an open protocol designed for building a decentralized crypto exchange. Um, maybe another way to put it is it's a layer two solution with a high throughput, a low cost, and it really kind of does make it a very solid candidate for an NFT marketplace. LRC is the Ethereum, uh, it's an ERC-20, so it's going to be an Ethereum-backed um, LRC is going to be the token for Loopring, just for anyone who wants to look that up. But anyway, Loopring, like you just alluded to, there's so the writing's on the wall that this is going to be the technological backbone to the NFT marketplace. Um, it's just one of those things, I guess, we're waiting for the official announcement of what's going to go on there. But I mean, it's kind of interesting, the deep diving that the communities have done. They're seeing the connections of who's following who on social media. They're looking into the GitHub of LRC, mm -hmm. um, all of it. I'm pretty confident. And like you said, we're just kind of waiting for that announcement. I really, I love the the crypto deep divers, how they're like, oh, such and such posted some code and they did some development for GameStop, but this was on their private account, but then they deleted it immediately. And like all of the theories that come out, we will just have to wait and see, but it is kind of uh, cool to see the community jumping on that. Um, now, part of the community hasn't been so bullish about this move. So we've seen the price charts recently uh, when all these speculation came about, when the rumors started, Loopring continued a very bearish run. You look at the chart right now over the last month it's been pretty much all downhill uh gamestop as well hasn't been doing well charts for gamestop over the last month you can see them just like all going downhill as well uh this uh yeah bring up our one month chart there see look at that downward trajectory i mean some people are just gonna say well this is just general market trends everyone's going in this direction right now but what are your thoughts is there anything more to this yeah, so I think it's um, there's multiple things. So first of all, just to touch on what you said about the macro environment right now, I mean, the overall market, the equities market took a big hit today. It's been going down. We broke a key technical support level of the 200 moving average. So with that, 
things are feeling the pressure. And it makes sense. Everyone is waiting for the Federal Reserve meeting in the U.S. next week, Wednesday, 2 p.m. There's going to be a lot of answers coming out of how, I guess, aggressive is the Federal Reserve going to be? How hawkish are they going to be to battle the four-decade high level of inflation in the U.S., the three-decade high level of inflation over there in the U.K.? There's a lot of questions. And with it, this is it's a big pivot. We've had about a year and a half of this insane policy of quantitative easing, unlimited quantitative easing. And now we're diving into quantitative tightening and we're seeing it. Money is not as cheap as it previously was, or that's the assumption of where we're about to head to. So I think there are some, let's say, macro headwinds that we're going into. And when people go risk off, well, the first thing they take money out of is what's going to be thought to be higher risk investments, such as crypto, such as these what mainstream media would refer to as meme equities. You have GameStop, you have the obvious connection to AMC. And with all that, it's going to be intertwined with LRC. And now particularly more on the GME note. We've actually seen ever since the Thanksgiving time period, the short interest, the amount of people who are just straight up betting against it has gone from 8% of the free float to now almost pushing 20%. So just the pure level of selling aggression has from just a data metric standpoint, clearly increased. Now with this, I do want to remind people, I think it is important to when in doubt, zoom out everything we've talked about thus far, I am personally bullish on. If you go back a year and a half, we were talking about at that point, what was Bitcoin around 10,000. So I know it's getting beat up now, but still overall that relative gain, pretty nice. GameStop was trading below 20, AMC was trading in the range of sub five. So all these things, I know it's easy to emotionally get caught up in the recent downtrend, but I still like this concept of when in doubt, zoom out, confidence in your DD for more of this medium to long-term term play methodology. Yeah, no, it's uh, super interesting just to follow this space and the whole meme stock trend, see what the future of that is, all the excitement around it. We did have a comment uh, in the chat. I would love your take on it, actually, Matt. Okay. So we had um, John Haggerty asked, you know, said, I have not supported Bitcoin because of power consumption. Are there alternative cryptos that are relatively green? Uh, this is something that you know, I definitely have some thoughts on, but I would love your take, Matt. Like, what would you advise people look to if they're concerned about that? Yeah, so I was reading a recent study, and I believe two that jump out to my mind that are very environmentally friendly would be Cardano, and I think Nano is the other one, just if someone wants to Google that, if you want to take that. But also recently in the U.S., there was an interesting government hearing. Uh, this actually was yesterday, and they mm -hmm. were talking about it, and it's one of these things. Is there an environmental impact? Yes. Uh, is that something that we should know about and like look at the actual metrics? Of course, but when people are diving into it on a relative basis per unit, they were calling out the fact that the aviation industry is 50 times worse. So is there an environmental impact? Yes, I'm not gonna say there isn't, but I think it is being overstated by more so of bombastic headlines of the actual environmental impact and a little bit of maybe light on the tunnel at the end of the tunnel here. Um, Intel recently announced that they're going to be focusing on a low voltage, low environmental impact miner. And I think there was already a big pre-order from Grid, G-R-I-I-D, which is a big mining company. So we are seeing technological advancements that will help with this.
Absolutely. There's so much noise around this issue. It drives me crazy because I just see a lot of articles come out that just perpetuate the same myths about energy consumption around Bitcoin as well. But that doesn't mean that it isn't an issue. You know, I'm very interested in proof of stake coins. I'm interested in Ethereum moving to proof of stake, Zcash moving to proof of stake. I think a lot of chains are exploring this because it is a really a more viable option for the future. Um, Mm. As prices continue to go up, people continue to enter the space. So definitely worth keeping an eye on all of that stuff but just make sure you're reading the right sources because as matt alluded to there's a lot of fud in in this area there's a lot of um cherry-picked data that really misrepresents uh, the issues so make sure you're diving in but matt is definitely someone you can follow for all of this info so make sure you're checking out his social media and following him on youtube matt so much uh thank you so much for joining us today this has been great thank you for having me have a great weekend absolutely and everyone who's watching at home don't forget to like the video, hit that like button. YouTube hides our videos, unfortunately. So uh, this really helps us get seen by you guys. Hit that bell notification and subscribe to the channel. And then you will get notified if we ever put out a new video, which is every Friday, 4 p.m. coming to you live and then throughout the week as well. So thank you to everyone who has tuned in today. This has been really great. Loved having you here. So awesome having our guests. So we have Will Foxley. Uh, we had George Selgin. We had Matt Cause. We're going to add all of their details in the description below. So make sure you follow them too because they're all just such wonderful wealths of information in the space that you should be keeping an eye out. But as always, thank you so much for watching NBTV. This has been super and we love you lots and we will see you later. Have a great weekend. Catch you later.